Hi, everybody. We are back for episode five of Shoot the Shot. I am Sam Pusateri here along with Alex Mide. Mide, how was your day? Any fun, any fun stories? Uh, not too many fun stories. I would love to tell you that it was as expected again, but I got roasted for saying that last time, so I'll just say it was good. Day went well. Day went Had a great well. lunch. Good to hear. What did you have for lunch? I had a hearty bowl of chunky soup that... Every time I read it, I think of Dak Prescott saying it eats like a meal. So, is that is that Campbell's? Campbell's chunky. See, okay, you think of Dak, I think of Donovan McNabb and his mother. Oh yeah, you're a little more 2007 on the mind. Yeah, that's but, true. Yeah, I got Dak Prescott and his brothers at a press conference running through my brain. Okay. On a lovely Tuesday afternoon. Have you ever had piata? I have had Piata. I had Piata today. It was pretty good. For lunch? For lunch, yeah. That's because you work in an actual city, and I work in the middle of a cornfield. Yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Your lunch, if you went out, would be a stock of corn. I would need to shuck it myself. <laughs> okay, shuck it. Football. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, we've got two uh, future Hall of Fame quarterback injuries to talk about today. Uh, obviously huge impacts to their teams. Um, and that's Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger. So let's go ahead and start. Let's start with Brees. Um, okay. The Saints are one and one right now. Okay. Just lost to the Rams. Uh, kind of a messy game. Very. Um, the refs screwed them again, as we like to joke. And uh, the Saints players like to joke too. Yeah. Um, not that I think that that would have made a huge difference no, in the game, no. but um, so I Drew say, obviously, but right, Drew uh, tore a ligament in his throwing hand thumb. Okay, so this required surgery. I, I'm sure he had that almost immediately. Yeah, uh, it was today might have been yesterday. Might have been I'm, yesterday. I'm pretty sure he's already had it. Well, yeah, he definitely already had it, but I know that he probably saw you know a hand specialist. Yeah. The day after um, the game. Right. I think he stayed in L.A. to see a specialist. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. So they're expecting him to miss six weeks. Okay. Um, that, would put that, that would put him coming back on their bye week. So realistically, he's getting seven weeks to kind of heal up. Honestly, kind of fortunate. Time. It really is. Um. So, you know, Teddy Bridgewater coming in, uh, he looked okay, I'd say. Uh, it's tough against a Rams, a Rams defense that's no slouch, and, you know, you got Aaron Donald chasing you down all day long. What, uh, what do you think about Teddy coming in? So... First, I want to say about the, the game as a whole, I feel like as football fans, we were a little bit robbed of what that game was supposed to be. Uh, it was the whole NFC title game rematch. They're building it up and stuff pregame. And then what Breeze gets hurt in the first or second quarter, nothing actually really happens. And we didn't learn anything about either team, to be honest, from this game. Um, other than the Saints players still being salty about last season, two seasons ago. But... Uh, yeah, as far as Teddy Bridgewater goes, I really don't know what to think, I think is the common theme amongst most people's opinions about it. Um, I think the good thing for the Saints, if you want to argue the positive side, is he does have experience as a starter. Um, he has 29 career starts, and he's 17 and 12, so he's above 500 as a starter. Okay. Um, the rest of the team is good. Like, the defense is fine. Uh, it's got plenty of weapons on offense with Kamara Kamara and uh, Mike Thomas. Um, but he hasn't started since, I think, 2015. And I went back and looked at the numbers from the... I mean, he started his first two years regularly. And, I mean, they're average numbers at best. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a little concerning. Is Even if he reverts back to the best version of himself... Obviously, it's impossible to one-to-one -to -one replace Drew Brees, but I don't know. 
I think um, a lot of, like, well, my, my mindset, at least, uh, for the Saints is, you know, if they can just kind of hold on mm-hmm. while Drew is healing, um, that's their best bet. Yeah, They've got kind of a tough schedule, but they could easily go three and three in the next six weeks and drew comes back four and four. And I mean, you still have half the season. Yeah. So, you know, they, I mean, they've got, so let's, let's go look at their schedule. We've got yeah. week three coming up this week. They, they have the Seahawks on the road, right? That's in Seattle. I believe so. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So that's going to be a tough one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Especially coming into the first week. Um, that Teddy, you know, is kind of taking over. So is there going to be, is there going to be some layover, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and then the following week they are playing the Cowboys. Okay. That's in new Orleans, but that's still, I mean, that's a Sunday night game in new Orleans, obviously, but you've got the Cowboys coming to town who are right in stride with looking great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think those first two are losses. I think I, I really you just have too. to, you got to factor that in. I really do too. And it's going to be tough. And not to say that they can't maybe squeak one out against the Seahawks because I wouldn't say the Seahawks are extremely dominant, but yeah, you are going into Seattle against a team that loves to control the pace of the game, running the yeah. ball. Yep. It's going to be tough. And I just think the Cowboys are just, you know, firing in all cylinders right now. Yeah. Offensively, defensively. Mm-hmm. So the next week, um, that's week five. They've got the Bucks coming to town. Very winnable game. Oh yeah. But also, I mean, we saw last Thursday. Not really a slouch either. I mean, they beat the Panthers. Yeah, we both picked the Panthers. <laughs> oh, we just yeah, and it's just and Tampa Bay's always like that every year. They yeah. They look horrible in some games, and then other games they come out and just beat teams that they shouldn't. Right. So, you know, anything can really happen there. I mean, I think the Saints' defense is still pretty tough. I mean, losing Drew Brees doesn't hurt no, your defense. Shouldn't at all, yeah. Um, definitely doesn't give them the comfortability of, you know, having a lead, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Teddy, I mean, Teddy still has Michael Thomas. He still has Alvin Kamara. He's got the weapons. So, oh, I mean, yeah. if he does, if he does what you said, you know, mediocre, average, you know, I think they'll be okay. They can win. They can at least beat the Buccaneers. I would agree. Um, so then, the following week, they are in Jacksonville, taking on the Jaguars. Um, that is questionable. I think the Jaguars right now are a little bit discombobulated with uh, Ramsey requesting that trade. Um, so he might not even be on the team by week six, you know? True, which, which would benefit the Saints. Could, would benefit Teddy Bridgewater a lot yeah. Yeah. to not have to throw, because you know he's going to be shadowing Mike Thomas the whole game, because that's what he does. Um, so without him being there, that presence missing for the Jaguars could make that an even more winnable game. I don't even know if I can say the Jaguars have a home field advantage. So even though that is on the road, I think that won't even play a factor. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. It's definitely, I mean, there's definitely still more, you're still more comfortable, you know, at home. I don't care really, you know, I don't care what team you are. I mean, even the Dolphins are probably a little more comfortable at home because they're only going to lose by 35 and not 45. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Dolphins, it's, every, it's an every episode rule now. Every, did you see the video of them burning on the field? <laughs> I think that was the Titans game. I but, know for some but, reason, the Dolphins were there burning on the field. <laughs> My guess, they're my. Uh, so the following week, um, this is week eight. The Saints are going to Chicago. Okay, so that one's going to be a little tough. Okay, October twentieth. 
that's a 425 game. You're in Chicago. Okay, weather's probably changing a little bit now. Yeah, by week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the good news, I think, about that is Teddy is from that division. A little familiarity. He's so, yeah, I mean, it, that environment. it might be a stretch, but yeah. he's been there before. Uh, the it's Bears obviously so aren't the same team since 2015. Right. They have Khalil Mack now. They do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's a loss. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then week eight is the last week before the bye. They've got the Cardinals. Um and I believe that is in Arizona. Nope, that's in New Orleans. In New Orleans, yep. That's but I mean I'm not gonna say like okay, I'm I'm gonna give them probably the win in that game, but the mm-hmm. Cardinals did just um lose to the Ravens by six. They played them tough. Yeah, and then they tied the Lions. So like the Cardinals are really not looking like a bad team right now. They're not, which is confusing me. Oh, me too, because you come in with the rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, things are supposed to, you know, putter a little bit. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. guess it'd be a good We'll we'll know more definitely by the time they play the Saints. Definitely. That's um, halfway through the season at that point. Right. It'll so, be interesting to see what the line is for that game. Oh, when it comes around to when it, it for sure. Out. Yeah. For sure. And the Saints, or the, the Saints, the Cardinals um, have a an interesting schedule. They've got the Panthers next, this coming week, and then Seahawks, Bengals, Falcons, Giants. So, I mean, they could win a couple games in there and kind of get some momentum. Yeah, good point. Um, but let's go ahead. Let's give the Saints the win, okay, since it's it's in New Orleans and we're just going to take the, you know, Sean Payton, you know, team that was just in the last two NFC championship game, or yeah. sorry, last NFC championship game, just missed mm-hmm. it the year before. Uh, so let's give them that win. So, you know, as I stated earlier, three and three, okay, you get Drew Brees back into the bye week. You're four and four. You've got eight games left okay and it's kind of just i mean they could easily go six and two and finish ten and six and you know you make the playoffs because i don't think the division is very tough at all i mean they could probably make the wide open nine and seven might do it in that division i mean it has in the past i yeah that's what i would have predicted now yeah the um the falcons are the first team they play the week after he comes back so week 10 They've got the Falcons, and then week 11, they've got the Buccaneers again. So, so the bulk of their divisional games are post-buy, and ideally post-Drew Brees being back. Right, which is definitely beneficial. Big-time benefit for them in terms of playoff positioning. Um, I think you touched on it enough when you, you did mention Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton's one of the, what, you say top five coaches in the league? I'd give him top five, yeah. Yeah, so I think, I mean, he's he's been there more than four years, which is hard to do in the NFL nowadays. Uh, but I think that's mostly the reason I would fall back upon on how they could keep the boat afloat is Teddy Bridgewater with his a little bit of experience and Sean Payton being such a good coach. I think he should be able to, like, you know, rally the troops well enough to get through these six weeks. And, well, if you, uh, can, if you can make that offense... I mean, if they just form the offense around what Teddy does well, there's yeah. no reason that they can't be successful. And, you know, we say four and four, but why not five and three? You know, like I don't think that they're going to go six and oh. No, I don't. I don't see them beating those first two teams. Yeah, just definitely just the, the shock value of switching quarterbacks and then mm-hmm. hitting into these good teams. It's. I mean, they might find their stride by week five when they do play the Bucks, and then you get the Jags. The Bears can't score, right? Right. So Trubisky that's doesn't a have a touchdown up. yet. So, like, I mean, that that's a game that might end up being, you know, ten seven, ten three, Saints uh, win, and it's like they snuck one out in Chicago. Yeah. Safe to say, um, safe to say that will not be on the TV. Probably not. If Trubisky don't have a touchdown by week seven. <laughs> by week seven, that would be bad. You can guarantee that he probably won't be owned in any fantasy league either. Oh, well, I'm in a 16-teamer this year, and it is 
not easy, let me tell you. Is Trubisky still owned? No, he is. He's on somebody's team. Incredible. It's so fun. So, you know, we mentioned the fantasy stuff. So let's kind of get into the, the impact uh, that this injury is going to have on, you know, the other players. Obviously, Bridgewater isn't going to give you the numbers Breeze would, yeah. fantasy-wise, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think he's serviceable? Is he worth picking up, or would you not even touch it? I, in anything but, like I said, the league I'm in with 16 teams, I don't think I think about picking up Teddy. Even okay. if you did just lose Breeze, I think there's hopefully a better option for you out there on the waiver wire. Maybe like maybe nobody has Matt Stafford or something like that. Uh, Josh Allen's available in a lot of leagues. I would much rather have those guys over Teddy. Yeah, I would. I would agree. I don't think. I don't think I'm going to pick up a quarterback for for six weeks. That I mean, because you're not going to start him the first one. I mean, unless you're seriously, or oh. I mean, or you're in a 16 team, 20 team and you league. You only which, had Drew Brees, yeah, yeah, which is crazy. But I don't think that that's somebody you're going to start for the first week no. in Seattle, and then and the God second week, if you are, yeah, and then the second week when the Cowboys come to town, you're probably not going to start him either. So it's like, okay, then you got four weeks of starting Teddy Bridgewater. I don't, I don't definitely it's, not don't like it's that. Not worth it. So Michael Thomas is someone that first impression you're kind of like, okay, this is going to really affect him. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a dip in quarterback skill. So usually the receivers take that hit. Definitely. I, I think that I'm okay with Michael Thomas. I, I don't think he's, you are? Mm-hmm. I don't think that he's going to drop a ton. I mean, he's definitely going to drop a little bit. I would think, yeah. There's no doubt. But I don't think it's going to be like almost noticeable. Because, I mean, okay, so Drew Brees went out. Rest of the game, Thomas, this is from Bridgewater, okay? Had 11 targets, 8 catches for 65 yards. Wow, 11 targets, really? 11 targets. And that was, you know... Post Drew Brees, so he had 13, I believe, total in the game, mm-hmm. but he still had the volume of the targets. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where I mean their offense is based around getting him the ball and getting Kamara the ball. It's just usually run by a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? Which obviously, I'm not trying to say Teddy Bridgewater, you know, can replace him easily, but if he gets the ball to Thomas and to Kamara. I think he's going to be okay. You just can't do too much with it. Yeah, definitely. Or try to do too much with it, I guess. I think it'll be interesting to see how they... They'll probably simplify the playbook for Teddy. So it'll probably be a lot of easy throws. I'm going to think a lot of, like... I'm thinking, like, a lot of, you know, underneath stuff. You've got, like, Thomas going 8 to 12 yards. Uh, and then you got Kamara out of the backfield, some screens. That's yeah. what... I mean, that's what I would... Not that I'm an NFL head coach, but, like, that's just what I would think they would do. Yeah. Um, that's I would the best agree. way to succeed and to put, you know, and to put your quarterback in the best position to succeed. So Camara, I think is actually hurt even less than Thomas. That I agree with for sure. I, I don't know specifically how, how much this hurts him because I'm not going to obviously like Thomas, I'm not going to sit here and say that he'll benefit from it. Yeah. But I don't think, I mean, you're like a lot of the checkdowns I think are going to happen because it's just, it's a backup quarterback and they honestly might try to go more run heavy. I think so too. I think he becomes like a safety blanket. uh, Yeah. So, I mean, he might even get more targets with Bridgewater than he did with Breeze. Mm -hmm. It's very Um, possible. But if they go more run heavy, definitely would favor Latavius Murray's fantasy, uh, stock because then i mean you're looking at him getting probably five to ten more carries a game yeah definitely a potential goal line vulture touchdown candidate latavius murray yeah so i mean i i think if anyone benefits from drew Brees even being out it's probably him yeah if you have one a standard league yeah um but then you know guys like ted ginn traquan smith traquan yeah those guys are are the ones that are probably getting hurt yeah, which let's be honest, if you're thinking about starting either one of those guys, you're you're in the bottom of your league anyway. So Yeah, bottom of your league or it's a twenty man league, five yeah. flex. And we're all <laughs> we're all praying for you anyway. Yeah. 
But those guys, I think, are hurt the most significantly from Breeze being out. I think Thomas is hurt a little bit, Camara a little less, and Latavius uh, benefiting. Okay. So the other team, obviously the Steelers, losing Big Ben um, for the season, though. That's the difference between the two. Between the two injuries is, you know, we're talking about the Saints trying to maybe just keep it afloat until Drew comes back. But the Steelers, I mean, they're not getting Ben back anytime this year. No. They are already 0-2. So, I mean, they were struggling to begin with, even though, I mean, they started off pretty tough with the Patriots and the Seahawks. Uh, I'd say that's one of the more challenging first two weeks of the season. Yeah, it's definitely not as fortunate as the Ravens were with the schedule in the early season. (laughs) Yeah, don't even get me started. (laughs) But, I mean, you're losing another Hall of Fame quarterback, okay? But it's for the year. So, this is a little different. Way different, yeah. We've got Mason Rudolph, a a third-round pick out of Oklahoma State, um, coming in. Does not have a red nose. And he's not a reindeer. The red nose backup. (laughs) Something like Uh, that. So he's been with the Steelers. This is his second season. Okay, so he's, you know, pretty familiar with the system. Mm-hmm. I think that that's good. At Oklahoma State, he had two 4,000-yard seasons. Okay, his career completion percentage was 63%. Granite, that's against Big 12 defenses, which the Big 12, yeah. aren't known for their defense. See no, no. every Big 12 score ever. <laughs> Better than their basketball teams. Um, I think that I think that Mason might be okay. I I watched a little bit of that game. He threw a pick on his first drive. Good, but threw two touchdowns positive. in the fourth quarter. Okay, uh, yeah, definitely positive. I, I just I mean, I'm he's not going to replace Ben. Okay, that, that's their franchise quarterback for. Uh, I mean, what how, was twelve years, thirteen years, oh, four, yeah, fifteen now, fifteen years. So. I mean, he was thinking about retiring what two years ago? Yeah, maybe. Do you think like, he's done? It seems like it seems like the last three. He was uh, the word retirement's been thrown around by him. Uh, and do I you don't think know. This will do it? That's actually I have a in my notes here. I have a hot take with four siren emojis. Uh, I think we've seen Ben Roethlisberger throw his last pass in the NFL. That's what I think. I think. I mean, he. I was reading, and it said he had uh, some inflammation in that elbow, like all week leading up to this game. Oh, really? So it's like they knew something was wrong, or at least he did. And he goes out there, and when it happens, it was a non-contact thing. Right away, he's grabbing at it, and it's it's a type of thing that pitchers that need Tommy John surgery. When we talk about them, they're out for honestly two whole years. It takes them to get back, and Ben's gonna be. 38, I think, when he would return next season if he comes back. 38 coming off of that type of surgery. Not easy. I know apparently quarterbacks can now play into their 40s, but, I mean, Breeze and Brady aren't working with elbow surgeries. And I just think the Steelers aren't going to be anything too exciting to rush back to, honestly. I think we've already seen a little bit of, like, James Conner doesn't look nearly as effective this year. And yeah, no, G- not at all. Juju's fine. I think Juju's still going to be a good player. Those other receivers, my gosh, I don't know. And then the defense has been iffy. They did just trade for uh, Fitzpatrick, the the Miami DB. So they're trying a little bit to keep their boat afloat. But I don't know. I just don't see it. My gut's telling me that he's going to end up retiring. What do you think? So, I mean, first at first thought, I was kind of like, oh, he's done. But now I'm kind of like thinking about it and... He just signed an extension um, this past spring, actually, Okay. for $68 million. I think it was a two-year extension, $68 million with a $37.5 million signing bonus. Yep, so that's a lot. <laughs> there's some money, and it's kind of like a sticky situation because yeah. he's guaranteed this money uh, through 2021. So, I mean, it, like if he's done, he's kind of... He's kind of hurting the Steelers because then they've just got this salary, um, or this cap, this cap up. money that's just kind of yeah, it's just dead. Sure. 
So part of me wants to think, I guess, that he won't just bail on them. Mm-hmm. But in this, at the same time, like, what happens if Rudolph comes out and, you know, just lights it up? And then it's going to be kind of like a Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe situation. Yeah, I've heard where, that that thrown around. So, so I don't know. I don't want. I don't think he's done. I think he's going to try to come back. Okay. If that that's going to be my final answer for that. All right. Well, we'll uh, see. You know, we kind of went through the Saints' schedule for the six weeks that Drew is expected to be gone. The Steelers. We're not going to go through their entire schedule, but. You know, it includes right. It includes each division team twice. You got the Browns home and away. You got the Ravens home and away, and you got the Bengals home and away. Um, and then just other notable teams on the schedule. You've got the Chargers. You've got the Colts, Rams, and then the Bills. All four of those are looking like losses now. Yeah, um, depending probably, on where Rudolph is. Yep, you're probably looking at the divisional games and. A lot of people are probably writing off four losses there with the Browns and the Ravens. I would say, yep. I mean, that's eight losses already to their two. Doesn't look pretty. No, I just think traded. It's, Go ahead. I think it's definitely a two-horse race in the AFC North now. It's just the Ravens and the Browns. Mm-hmm. I think the Bengals might have fooled us in week one by playing the Seahawks tough and then just getting demolished by the uh, Absolutely destroyed. Their O-line is horrendous. Yeah, that's closer to what they're going to be the rest of the year, uh, the Bengals. But, that's so sad. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I'm I a, just want Joe Mixon to be good. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, I think Andy Dalton is it gets a little bit uh, too much flack, honestly. I don't think he's that bad. I think that line, he's just asked to do so much. They have the skill yeah. positions, but they just don't have like the guys in the trench that are yeah, going to help you win a game. Like you can't. Did they can't draft somebody? A- they drafted an O lineman high, and he's out for the year. Yeah, their first round pick. So that, that I happened mean, even before the preseason. Yeah, that they, happened- they tried. They're trying to fix it, and they just keep getting unlucky with that injury bug. Yeah, Try they me- cannot get rid of that injury bug. Actually, yeah, AJ Green's due back soon, so hopefully he can play. But how does that even help them? I mean, there are like they kind of are already tearing it up through the air. I mean, they just they yeah. can't run the ball to save oh, their man. life. John Ross has been unreal. John Ross, games. and then and then even Tyler Boyd had ten catches last game. Oh, yeah. Love Boyd. Boyd's super so, consistent. So I mean, the Steelers go to Cincinnati. Like I'm not going to say that the Bengals could sneak it from them. Definitely. So I mean. I don't, I don't, and they just traded their first round pick to the Dolphins. So that's right, looking like it's going to be a top 15. It just confuses me, right? Pick, right? I'm not really sure why the Steelers don't want, I mean, that was going to be probably their best pick they've had in 10 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like, like I said, probably top 15, maybe top 10. Yeah. I mean, Tomlin doesn't have a losing season yet. So right. this is looking like that could be year number one. Yeah. Losing season for him. So what, what do we think, you know, let's kind of shift to the fantasy aspect. Okay. Um, you know, Rudolph came in and I think he was 11 for 19. He had the two touchdowns and he had a pick. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, he stepped right in and threw two touchdowns. That's, that kind of impressed me. That does say a lot. That does say um, a lot for sure. He's not afraid. Definitely would say he's not afraid to throw the ball. I mean, when you go to a, a a school like Oklahoma State where there's such high scoring, you know, it's kind of like Baker and, and Kyler coming in and just, you know, they don't care. They just wing the yeah. ball. Gunslingers. I mean, you yeah. said it. he had over two, two seasons of over 4,000 yards in college. That's big time. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a prototypical size. He's 6'5", 230. Oh, he's uh, a big dude. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's going to get balls batted at the line. Like I watched Baker Mayfield happen way too much. Oh, I know. But we'll get into that later. Yeah, I think for the most part, Schuster and Connor remain about the same. Um, as far as the other guys, I don't think you really wanted them with Big Ben anyway. Yeah, there was definitely that uh, attraction to you know who was going to be the number two receiver yeah. coming into the year because everybody looked at you know A B and Juju from the previous two seasons and they were like, all right, so 
AB's gone now. Juju steps into the AB role. So who steps yeah, into the Juju role? Fifteen hundred yards sitting there. Yeah, and I target. honestly think the person that benefits the most is James Washington. And yeah, tell me about be- that. It's because of their, you know, their relationship going all the way back to college. Yeah. Um, both of them attended Oklahoma State. They played together for, uh, you know, all three seasons that Rudolph was the starter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a, that's a relationship. Like, you, you, don't, you can't just really take that away. And now they get to, now they get to continue that in the NFL. And, you know, there's something that, you know, about when you know what a guy does, you know, running his routes, I think that quarterbacks like, that's why Tom Brady likes Edelman. Um, yeah. You know, that's why uh, Rivers loves Keenan Allen. They just like have that relationship. And I think that, you know, three years of college will develop that relationship for sure. Yeah. So you're so, saying take a flyer on James Washington. I might pick him up mm. and I'm not throwing him in my starting lineup right away. Definitely okay. not saying that. Oh, but that's, that's smart. I would hope you got a better. Yeah. But I would definitely, you know, maybe stash him for two to three, maybe four weeks and yeah. just kind of see what happens. Because Dante Moncrief has been absolutely oh, terrible. Oh, even get me started. I sound like an idiot for thinking he was going to be good. <laughs> I was on the Dante Moncrief train. I was drinking that Kool-Aid. He's making me look stupid. I don't think he had a point last week. And he might have had one point just from picking up a Gatorade cup and saving the turtles. <sighs> so, I mean, if anybody's going to kind of step up, it's got to be Washington because Moncrief's had the chance. I think he's had enough chances. They should probably just stop letting him play. But I think you're right Cut as far as Juju and, and James Conner really not. I mean, hopefully they can get the run game working a little bit yeah. for, for Conner. Yeah, that's true. He's uh, been, his yards per carry is super low. Who also, I mean, Connor was also a little bit banged up in that game, and I think he's questionable coming into week three. Mm. So Jalen Samuels, a guy to keep an eye on. Ooh, good one. Um, Juju, you know, Juju's kind of been disappointing this year. I think Ben Roethlisberger in the Steelers as a whole has been disappointing. So mm-hmm. that's a direct result of that but but juju is one of those guys you know that beginning of the season people were making the case for his possibility of being the number one receiver in fantasy and it's yeah. just like is he gonna even be top 10 um it's so hard to say with just two weeks in because oh. right now john ross is like number two yeah it was more of a rhetorical question just you know throwing that out yeah. there like Oh, it's no, possible that he's not even in the top 10 and people were talking about him being the number one. Sure. So the last person I kind of want to touch on is Vance McDonald. Yeah. Uh, so those two touchdowns Rudolph threw um, against the Seahawks were both caught by McDonald. So I think that is something that's positive because, and they were both, they were both like goal line, goal line touchdowns. You know, right. I think one was two yards and the other one was like five yards. He's the big sure-handed target. But it looks like that's going to be who they're looking at in the red zone. You know, especially on the goal line. Definitely. Uh, so that's somebody definitely worth, pick, worth picking up. And honestly, probably throwing into the starting lineup just because the tight Whoa. end position. Just because the tight end position isn't, you know, there's not a plethora of good tight ends out there. Oh, no, it's always take flyers so vance is somebody 100 percent to keep an eye on yeah and it it is the pittsburgh steelers so you know they got to have some white tight end that's effective so right. and and if they're losing you know if they're losing games kind of like we you know like we think that they might be just the struggle bus they've been on lately um you know they're gonna be throwing the ball more yeah definitely so, you know, kind of, we're going to kind of move on from, um, you know, the injuries to Drew Brees, the injury to uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Quick, quick little conversation. Um, some breaking news. Some, some breaking news. The Giants uh, benched Eli Manning today 
and um, are going to be starting Daniel Jones, their sixth overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of, you know, lots of people were kind of questioning, you know, what they were doing at six, why they took Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins. Danny Dimes. We get to find out real quick if that was the right decision. Yeah, I st- <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. If you're going to put him in in week two, just put him in for week one or week three, sorry. Like, I don't know. You can't tell me he's had enough time to learn to where these two weeks of not playing have mattered. So I just don't really get it. But they do have Pat Shermer coaching the team, and we already went through that circus with the Browns. We know he can't do much with a, with a bad roster, and that's what he's looking at. So I guess... More power to him. Yeah, I think, I mean, best way for Daniel Jones to succeed is to give the ball to Saquon Barkley as much as he possibly can. That would be very intelligent because he is the best football player in the history of the world. If Saquon gets 20, if Saquon gets 20 carries and has 15 targets, he's doing his job. (laughs) (laughs) Effective Daniel Jones. Yeah. You know, I hope he, I mean, I kind of hope he succeeds. Um, as much as I was kind of um, one of the people that was questioning their selection at number six, you know, I wanted them to take Haskins because I thought that backfield um, would be crazy good with with Haskins and um, Saquon. And then, you know, yeah, they picked up uh, Zeitler from the Browns. So, you know, the line was getting a little better. Was that part of the Vernon trade? That was part of the mm-hmm. Vernon trade. Yes. Yeah. Worked out for both teams. I yeah. Think. So, um, but I hope he succeeds. I, I'm kind of just tired of seeing Eli Manning. I think in the news of so when are they everybody. gonna? Yeah. When are they gonna sit him? When are they gonna? You know, cut him. Just kidding. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> they could have. Uh, oh, they're paying quick. seventeen million dollars. Is that no way to get benched <sighs> in week two? He better give half of that to Daniel. He should give it to me. He should give it to you. Yeah. I'd use it. What's your P.O. box? P.O. box? Uh, I don't know. Just put it in a, uh, a... Give it to a raven. A raven? Ravens carry mail now. Ravens carry the football. <laughs> what? A lot. <laughs> Lamar Jackson. What a joke. Um. Oh, but uh, funny little tidbit here that you should you should look up uh i think it was a saturday night live skit but eli manning does a little skit there with um he has a an organization i think it's called (laughs) little brothers (gasps) okay and uh what he does in the skit is basically he's got this you know these kids that are all bullied by their older brother and he's just like helping them get back at their older brothers. Um, it's For the sure. most emotion I've ever seen Eli Manning have, <laughs> but it's hilarious. So, you know, oh, yeah. feel free to YouTube it. Check that out. Eli Manning's Saturday Night Live skit, Little Brothers program. I'll be sure to do that. Yeah, go ahead and check it out. <laughs> so last night. Um, Monday Night Football, the uh, the Brownies Woo! were taking on the Jets at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, they were. Came away with the win, 23-3. to Yeah, uh, they did. Go ahead and let's just, you know, let's just start it off. Give me some thoughts. Let's just talk about it. Yeah, um, let's, let's talk about the game. So, I don't want to underreact here. So, I'm going to say... The Browns did not cover my spread of winning by 100, but they might as well have, and I'm excited for the Super Bowl. But no. Seriously, though, um, I don't really know if I think the Browns' defense was as good as they looked in this game, or if it's because the Jets uh, were on their third-string quarterback, second- and third-string quarterback. Um I don't know how you feel about that, but I think the defense looked incredible. I mean, Miles Garrett was in the backfield every play. I mean, he yeah. had what the three sacks, the fifteen roughing the passer penalties, the uh, four offsides. It was yeah. a mess for him. But 
I mean, I love the intensity. Like, it's football. And, like, the roughing the passer, the roughing the passer stuff is, like, there's some that are obvious, 100%. And, and the one uh, where he jumped off sides and then they threw the roughing the passer. Yeah, the double pass. That's one of those where, you know, I'm thinking, why don't we just stop the game when he's off sides? If, I mean, he clearly was going to kill Simeon. Yeah. He like tried. He, you know what I mean? Like close. it was a free run at the quarterback and and he just I mean put all of his body weight on. And that's that's a weird one. We're just so nitpicky for a sport that's intended to be so violent. Yeah, it is a violent sport and I mean the rule that you can't land on the guy with your body weight is weird to me. But you can do it with everybody else. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's super weird to me. Like in the pocket, that's a thing, but like I mean, and I don't know for sure, but is outside the pocket, like, I mean, the quarterback is considered a runner, correct? Technically. So you can just, you know, tackle him and lay on him and that's okay? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's the inconsistency with calling that that penalty. The second one, I, the second one where Simeon... um, I don't. I mean, I don't even know what he did with his ankle. Dislocated it or his noodle ankle? Yeah, that one. I honestly think was less of a roughing the passer than the first one. I would agree with that too. Um, but watching the game live, and I'm watching him run at him, and I'm just like saying to myself, "Don't hit him. It's going to be a flag. Don't hit him. Don't hit him. Don't hit him." And then he hits him and throws the ball. Five seconds later, see the little flag marker come up on the side, and I go, "I just knew it." Like you, you just know because the yeah. refs are like almost saying the same thing in their yeah. head. They're watching for it now too. After you already did it the one time. But how hard is it to stop a guy that's six five, two seventy five, who runs a a four? What does he run? A four four? Like a four four? Like four four nine or something? Wasn't it a four four? Like yeah, it was something absurd, but. So he's running full speed at this quarterback, and you expect him to just stop. What happens if Simeon doesn't throw the ball and then gains 10? It's just changing. Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's the argument against it is it, it makes these guys tentative, and then they're going to start giving up bigger plays because they don't want to accrue these penalties, which are harsh penalties. I mean, 15 yards, that's... Well, we watched in week one how, how it, it, it keeps drafts going. Yeah, that's the only offense the Jets had their whole first half. It really was. I mean, what did they have? They had like 41 yards of total offense at half. Oh my God. Sam Sam Darnold from his mono-ridden hospital bed had more passing yards than Simeon did. Which, by the way, Sam Darnold is eyeing a week five return. Oh, so am I. Yeah. So just a little tidbit. Um, Ugh. But Miles, I mean, going back to, to Miles a little bit, love the intensity. Guy's leading the league in sacks. He's got five through two games. Yep. So, I mean, I don't want him to just change anything. No, he's fine. He's got to cut down on the offsides penalties, though. That's easier to fix. Yeah. and he's always, I mean, he's done that a lot. You know what's funny about him two. is... I love jokes. 90, 99% of his sacks are him just absolutely bull rushing through. Yeah. He doesn't really throw a move. He doesn't have moves. And if and it, and I just feel like if this dude had some moves, he's going to be so good. And yeah. he already is so good. Like oh, the sky is the limit. Yeah, a lot of potential there. Um other than that, yeah, loved the D-line and you know the front yeah. seven, the, the front run seven play. was really really good. The secondary still seems a little rough. I mean, Denzel Ward had a few moments where it was like, "What are you? Who, who, who are you guarding, buddy?" <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. It and was, we're young. I mean, it definitely doesn't help that Randall was out. He's I mean, he's a veteran, and then you've got a rookie corner and a second year corner. So, yeah, I don't know if that's got something to do with it, but that should get better week to week. Yeah, as the weeks go by, I should say so. So the defense looked good. We both, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. You yeah. held a backup quarterback and a third string quarterback to three total points. Oh yeah. That's and fine. Kept Le'Veon in check, to be honest. I mean, he had a lot of like total yards because he factored in the little dink catches. Dink he gets. Offs, right. But as far as rushing, I mean, only 68 yards. Forced like, a fumble too. Yeah. Forced that fumble at the end of the game, uh, which, yeah. 
only what three yards a carry, three point two yards per carry for Le'Veon. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's good. He's known for being elusive and yards after contact. So to keep him in check like that, I think says a lot. Yes. But he was really the only thing they had to game plan for and key in on. So I think it was a well called game from a coordinator standpoint. Standpoint, I think defensively. Mm-hmm. Um. So so moving to the offensive side, I. You know, besides the, you know, I mean, Nick Chubb looked great. And I think that that touchdown run. Yeah. Everything that we do offensively has got to start, I think, has got to start with Nick Chubb. Okay. It just opens up so much more. And frankly, when we didn't give him the ball on some drives, it just the offense looked dysfunctional at times. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you got that vibe too. I, yeah, I think the O line disappointed me again. Yeah, um, they weren't really opening up too many holes, uh, running lane wise for the run game. And then, I mean, you, Baker was running out to the flats. It seemed like every other play. So I think some screws need to be tightened up still with the O line. Mm-hmm. But I do think getting Chubb going early and often is important because. I mean, it's it's basic football 101. you got to develop the run game. That makes the pass game so much easier. That brings play action into the playbook and makes it effective, get him to bite. It's just, yeah. And he's really the only running back we had last night. They had to call up somebody from, what, the practice squad to be the backup? Yeah, who was actually on a on a shrimp boat, I think. No way. A months ago. Yeah. Bubba Gump was our running back? Yeah, real-life story of Bubba Gump oh, and Forrest God. Gump. Jenny. I may not be a spot running back, but um, I know what a football is. Um, I mean, and then obviously the the eighty nine yard touchdown was mm. beautiful. Let's go into it. Yeah. Let's talk about him. Okay. How amazing is it that he's on the Cleveland Browns? It's incredible. Oh you my! Know, it's, it's still hard to wrap your head around it and just be like, I, "Oh, by the way, we've got Odell on our team." No, I can't believe it. Run this first drive. Baker throws the ball. He's not even open. And I'm like, "Oh God, here we go again!" And he just throws up his one paw, makes this incredible one-handed catch in the same spot, I think, as he made the other one for the Giants, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they're sending him that little like ten-yard stretch yeah. of grass, yeah. five-yard stretch should, of grass. I think should plant it in his backyard. Yeah. Yeah. It's turf. I think. A mural of his catch in the Giants uniform, just on that, like those hash marks up the sidelines. Yeah, I'm, I, I'd vote for it. Yeah, but yeah, and then the the 89 yard touchdown, like it was, oh, absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, he, that's the. Reason I don't know why they weren't covering him to start, but no, very dude weird. ran a ran a three yard slant, and What's Baker was just like, okay, this is free. Well, the safety's 30 yards off the ball, like Greg Williams likes to play. <laughs> that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. Jabril Peppers is playing center field. So, um, but yeah, love to see that. Odell had another 10 targets. Yeah. So he has 21 targets through two games, which I think that's perfect. That's how it's a good. Be. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good split. Got to get, got to get in the ball. He's a playmaker. Yeah. Um, could have been more, honestly. Yeah. He had six catches for 160, so it's hard for me to say it could have been more. But, I mean, there was a few plays in the first half, which we can kind of move this into talking about Baker, too, because I've got some thoughts on him. He, I thought Baker looked really shaky in the first half. Inaccurate. Yeah, I don't know Very inaccurate. how you felt, but there was at least two or three plays. I mean, he missed Odell coming across the field that was like, when he threw it five feet above his head, yeah. When he did a, uh, he did a. I think he did a, um, a corner. Yeah. And there was a little bit of contact, and um, like they were trying to draw the flag instead of taking. Baker, it. yeah, Baker was on the run and just sailed it five yeah. feet, five feet above his head, ten feet above his head, and I'm just like, "What? Are you serious? Like we had the first down, and you just hit him? Yeah. You know, on a line. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, Baker finished uh, nineteen of thirty-five for three twenty-five. Just one touchdown, one pick. I can't even really blend the pick on him. I mean, it was a batted ball. Yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was tipped. That's fine. I'm okay. You can throw one interception every game if you're going to win the football game. I think the 325 is a little inflated. With yeah, that. 
that late 89 yarder and then had another big chunk play towards the, the end completion of the completion percentage is is kind of what is alarming to it's me. It's abnormal. I agree. It's like he's supposed to be this he, accurate quarterback right, and right. it was not an accurate night at all. No, against he, a banged up defense too. We were well into the game and he was under 50%, I think. And I was looking at that and I was like, you they're not going to be able to get away with that uh next week against the Rams. And no. As comfortable in the game as they were. And I'm super worried because if our line is looking this bad and we've got Aaron Donald, yeah, Donald, was, Aaron Donald coming best to town. Defensive player in the league. Yeah. I mean, Baker's going to be running for his life all week well, long. Good thing he is a little bit mobile because we're going to need to use it. Yeah. Um, let's let's kind of save a little bit more uh, Browns talk. Oh, they'll be uh, all year long. Yeah, all year long. Um, kind of move into some fantasy reactions from week two. Not going to be a lot of um, advice yeah. today, information today. Well, an uh, information today. Not a lot of advice. We're going to save that for Thursday, you know, as we do. Kind of give uh-huh. the waivers a little bit of time to run their course. Uh, just see who's some hot, hot commodities this week. Um, I've got some ideas on who might be, but I'm not going to give that away yet. No spoilers, no spoilers. Pe- people that are in our league listen to this, so... Maybe. <laughs> um, but some reactions from week two. We've got some big performers. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, the Chiefs receiver, um, went six catches for 172, two touchdowns. That was good for 35.2 fantasy points. Um and this scoring, this fantasy scoring is just based on uh, a league that Mid and myself ran. It's a, a standard uh, one point PPR, and then it's a point one point per yard uh, receiving and rushing. Six points for a touchdown. Uh, am I missing anything? No, that covers it for those I think guys. That covers it, yep. Um, so then another guy that had a. Big performance this week was Emmanuel Sanders, who's continuing to defy all odds. So proud uh, of him. With his Achilles injury. Yes. Uh, had a 28.8 fantasy point day. He had 11 catches for 98 yards and one touchdown. The, the 11 catches for 98 yards just bugs me. Yeah, I agree. Like, just get over 100. Get 11 <laughs> catches. Make the math easy on me, damn it. Yeah. It, ha- it sucks when Joe Flacco's throwing you the ball and he can't get it past six yards accurately. Oh, Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco. <laughs> um, the third biggest performer of the week was our very own Odell Beckham Jr. He had a 28.1 uh, fantasy point day. And as Mayday mentioned previously, six catches, 161 in a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Had that big 89-yarder that really... Um, propelled some people to victory this week. Me. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Thank you, Mr. Odell. I'm Bad glad you got over that your, one. your visor being weird. Yeah, that was kind of weird. That was Because yeah. he wore it week one, and the, I guess the refs this time were like, yeah, well, you know what? We hate you still. Yeah, they just pick on him because he's yeah. cool. He was wearing a, oh, and, and just to point this out, he was wearing another watch. Not in the game this time, but pregame was wearing a Richard Mill watch. Richard Mill uh, watch. $2.02 million. Only 10 of them ever made. I no just thanks. don't know why that's on a football field. No, that's, yeah. That Imagine if he just threw that into the crowd. He should. There'd be people dying, I think. Uh, people die every day. Like, but for the watch. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then the fourth highest fantasy performer of the week was Dalvin Cook. 28.1 fantasy points. He had 20 carries for 154 yards, a touchdown, and three catches for 37 yards. I'm proud of Dalvin Cook. Dude, me too, especially because he's on my team. But, yeah, it's great to see him healthy and... Fully involved in the offense, and just they just need yeah. to get their receivers into the offense. I mean, what Kirk is Cousins, Kirk Cousins doing? He was your favorite. You're the one that spoke proudly for him in the beginning of um, the year. I did because 
they're paying him a lot of money, and he's got two good receivers. Struggling. I mean, Stefan oh. Diggs is just, you know. He's got three catches this season. Yeah. Dying out there because Cousins can't get him the ball. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, uh, for a big performers, kind of went with a trio backfield here, the San Francisco running backs. Combined for 53.7 fantasy points. Yikes. Imagine if that was only one of them. Incredible. Um, Raheem Mostert had 24.1 fantasy Ketchup points. and Mostert. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Wilson Jr. had 15.4 fantasy points. And he kind of, he's not going to do that again. I, Jeff I don't think. Wilson Jr. is a yeah. NASCAR driver? Yes. What? He is a NASCAR driver. Wow. Might um, not have been racing on Sunday. No. And Matt Burita, um, the starter, actually, had the least amount of points, and he had 14.2. So all three of those guys were really worth starting last week. But who's yeah. going to do that? Incredible. Uh, and then some duds. We've got guys that were drafted in the first round kind of had a bad week. Uh, Christian McCaffrey <laughs> had 7.3 points. Kamara only had 7 and DeAndre Hopkins only had nine. So that's what, three of the top seven drafts. Three of the top seven picks, picks, yeah. All two, two, of them, two of them went in the top three. Yeah, such a, wow, such a weird fantasy week it was. Hopefully that doesn't happen again because I've got Kamara in one league and then McCaffrey in another. I've got Kamara and Hopkins in separate leagues. Nice. So yeah, it was tough. Uh, so that's, that's just kind of a fun. recap. Yeah. It, uh, not really fun if you lose. Stressful, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I still won in the league with Kamara, so I'm okay with that. But McCaffrey, uh, that hurt me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of a, a week two recap of you know big pan- big fantasy performers and some unlikely duds. Uh, so as I mentioned, we were going to have a ton more fantasy advice. And information for you Thursday as we preview the weekend games. You know, Thursday comes around. We're going to do our pick them, get into the fantasy. It's going to be some fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. So let's go ahead and uh, let's get into our top five here. Top five. So a couple Fridays ago. Was it a couple Fridays? How many, two Fridays ago? It was two Fridays ago now. I think it was the 6th of September. The 6th of September. Remember, remember, the 6th of Wake September. me up when September ends. Um, One of, I, should I say, one of our favorite artists? You can say that. I think that okay. wouldn't be lying. One of our favorite, our favorite artists, uh, Post Malone, came out with a new album. So... We kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit on the pod. Oh, yeah. Um, so our top five today is the our top five songs from that album. So why don't, why don't you go first? I want you... Let's go five to one. Okay. Yeah, let's go five to one always. Feel so just so that's... Yeah, we got to... Number one's kind of like, you know, it's all hyped up. So let's, let's do that. So yeah, go ahead and yeah, give me yeah, your yeah. top five. Yeah. So, just some general thoughts on Mr. Post Malone. The, this album I want to talk about a little bit before I get yep. into my actual rankings. Um, I am constantly fascinated by how someone who looks like an unfinished coloring book page dipped in an ashtray sounds like an absolute angel. Does that not shock you? Shock me? Shock you. Nothing shocks me. Nothing <laughs> Alrighty, um, but yeah, this whole album, um, I think start to finish, we can both agree, is one of the best of his three. Uh, yeah, I. It's so tough for me to just nitpick because I love all three albums. They're all good in their own way. I think this is the best. You think from, this is the best? I think this is the best from start so, to finish. So, the second one holds a special place in my heart, so I don't know if I can do that. Okay, it's a fair um, point. We all have emotional attachments. Yeah. But go but ahead. Yeah, I just love the blend. The blend. He blends like four or five different genres. It's like hip-hop, R&B, pop, rock. He does it all. Maybe even a little country. I'm not real sure. 
Um, but yeah, so we'll get into number five. Number five for me is Hollywood's Bleeding, which is the first song on the album and the titular song, as they say. Mm-hmm. Title of the album, title of the song. Um, it just Do you really, have a favorite line from each of these songs? I just want to know. I don't. Not off the top of the dome. I don't have a favorite. Okay. Because I get like I get that too. Like I find a line in each song, and I'm just like, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the one with this, the one that put this in the top five for me is it starts off the album perfect. Um, it's got great melody to start, and then when the beat comes in, it just gets gets the blood flowing. So I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, number four for me is "Die for Me." A lot of for me's in that sentence. We'll have to clean that up. But yeah, "Die for Me" is number four for me. That has uh, good features in it. I'm a big Halsey fan. Yes. Um, future Future's in that too. Future and mm-hmm. Halsey. I think yep. it's funny. Future, I think, sounds like he's doing an impression of uh, Post Malone. So that cracks me up in it. But some good lyrics in that one. Some good sad person music, uh, which I think we both love to uh, listen to sad music for whatever reason. Yeah, it's it's a mood thing. It's a mood thing, but I'm always in the mood for sad music. It's just the best emotions. That's when the real emotion comes out. But uh, moving real quick into number three, I have circles, which I want to put a little asterisk. When I made my top five, I was going to exclude all the singles that already came out months before. So, like, I didn't include goodbyes or wow or uh, the Spider-Man song, Sunflower. Which are all good songs in their own respect, but I didn't want to include them since they're not really new. Circles, I considered new enough, so I put that at number three. I think it's it's the closest thing to this album's version of like I Fall Apart or Stay from the previous two albums. It's just a little more little more singy, if that makes sense. A little yeah. less rap. And I like that. I like to sing along in the, in the car, in the shower, whenever. Uh, number two. Number two for me is I'm Gonna Be which is just one of the most upbeat songs on the album. Puts me in a great mood. Has incredible instrumental beat track, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, it just puts me in a good mood. And then, my number one on Hollywood's Bleeding, the third studio album of One Post Malone, pre-Walsh, is Take What You Want, which is the song which is started off by the ever- the immortal, somehow immortal, Ozzy Osbourne. Who? Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> I was Some acting people, like those people on Twitter. Oh, don't even get me started about these kiddos. They said, who's Ozzy Osbourne? Ode- uh, Odell. Oh, Odell. my Lord. Oh. Post Malone oh. just made him famous. Yeah. And Have some respect. There. You don't bite the head off of a bat on stage. <laughs> for some 14-year-old punk to think, you're not the famous one here. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, I really like that song a lot. Uh, Travis, uh, Travis Scott is also in that. Uh, yeah, love Travis Scott. I know That's you love one. Travis Scott. Uh, but yeah, it's just this, the the guitar solo at the end of that song alone is enough to make me push the gas pedal that much harder when I'm driving yeah. to that song. And the beat comes in, and it's this blend of styles. I think the person playing the guitar in that, this is a fun fact, is actually like the drummer for the Rolling Stones plays the guitar solo. I nice. believe that's a real thing. Nice. So yeah, there's my top five. Let's hear what you got. Okay, so Real quickly, I'm just going to kind of go through mine. Um, don't have as much to say. Again. Uh, no you pressure. Kinda, you kind of talked about, let me think. Th- I think three of mine were on your list. That's fine. That means so, that we agree it's good music. Number five, I've got On the Road. Okay. So, um, is that with Meek Mill? On the Road is with Meek Mill and Lil Baby. Mm. There That's are a, a lot one. of babies in this album. Yeah, Two. yeah. That that one gets me gets me hype. Lift lifting to that one is a good is a good thing to oh. do. You should try it. Always lift to babies. I'm Catholic. You're Catholic, so <laughs> we're into babies, I guess. Right? I think gonna be a hit with us. Yeah. Uh, number four is take what you want. Mm. Again, Ozzy Osbourne, Travis Respect. Scott. That one I think is climbing. <sighs> you're right. I think I it's just climbing up the list. I just talked you into it. I think so. 
But yeah, listen to that one more and more, and I just love it. Uh, number three, Die For Me, as you said, Future, Halsey. I'm not like a closet, not a closet Do Future it. fan, but like I like Future a lot. Yeah. A lot of his music, yeah. The like, auto-tune is awesome. I'm okay with that. And then, as you said, Halsey, big fan. Molly Percocet. Yeah. Uh, number two is Saint Tropez. Good choice. That one, I don't even know like what it is, but it's like it just gets me like in a good mood. Uh, another good lifting song. Um, Sam lifts. He, he yells a lot in it, and I kind of like when he gets like you know into he gets it. You're, yeah. you're a big yelly guy. <laughs> He's just got a good. A good yelly voice for his music, if that's a thing. Yep. Uh, and then number one has to be "I'm Gonna Be." Uh, yeah. The first time I heard it, I was like, "This is the best song on the album, no question." And it's been hooked. that way ever since. You were absolutely hooked. Absolutely hooked. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? <laughs> oh yeah. I would just like to. Uh, you know, say my favorite line of that Do it. song. So <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. I want you to, though. Because that would the be The people want to hear the, the golden pipes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We have, uh, we have voice cracks in my family, so that would be rough. It's hereditary. Yeah, but it's the line where he says, I do what I want, comma. <laughs> comma. Tom Ford on a yacht. Ooh. Richard Mill My Watch makes me think of Odell. Hey, shout out Odell. Thousand dollar Crocs. And I immediately think of just yellow regular Crocs. <laughs> just yellow ass Crocs. Yellow ass Crocs. For sure. <laughs> so that's my favorite line of that song. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Hopefully you, you will go back and check it out. Now you'll never forget it. Oh, yeah. Um, so that... I think wraps up episode five for us. I think it does. Um, had some good uh, reactional stuff to to the Saints loot missing Drew Brees, the Steelers missing Big Ben, uh, some fantasy input, the Giants benching Eli Manning today. Um, so I think uh, we're ready for Thursday. We're going to come back back to you guys with lots of fantasy stuff for you. Uh, and then we're going to get into our pick em, and we're going to try to talk a little bit more about each team, each game in the pick em. Yeah. Um, and then maybe even maybe even throw uh, some gambling advice for the, you know, the for lines. For the degenerates. Yeah, for the degenerates. So You want to tell the people about our email? Our email. Yeah, we open up an it. email you set account. it up, yeah. I'll do Why it you hit sure. them with it? So we open up an email. If you guys want to shoot us any questions or comments or hate mail, we don't really care. I'll read it, whatever you send. Hate mail will be read on air. Actually, we'll all read. mail will be read on air. Oh, maybe. Unless it's uh, a book. <laughs> don't send us a book. Right. So I'll put uh, a link to it in the description of this episode, but it's shoottheshotpod at gmail.com. That's shoottheshotpod at gmail.com. All one word, lowercase, uppercase, doesn't matter. Hit That's shoottheshotpod at gmail.com. Shoottheshotpod at gmail. You get it. All right. We will see you guys Thursday. Have a good one, everybody.